Welcome to The Concierge CPA. I'm Jackie Meyer, founder of The Concierge Accountant Program and Tax Plan IQ software. This is a podcast for accounting firm owners and influencers who are pursuing world-class service. We discuss their path to excellence, their daily habits, and what influences them and their work. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. Stick around till the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go, y'all. Welcome, welcome. This is the Concierge CPA podcast with Jackie Meyer. I have what feels like a really old friend on today, but we're really kind of new friends. But when you interact so much on social, you tend to feel like you've known someone for a really long time, Mr. Jeremy Wells. And I'd like to do a quick little intro about you. And then if you want to fill in the gaps, sound good? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jackie. Of course. So you first earned your PhD in political science and you taught for what, five years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah. Spent six years at uh, LSU and got my PhD in political science and then uh, taught at Texas State University, which is just down the road from you, I believe, uh, for about five years. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. And so you're encouraging these kids or college students to kind of pursue their dreams, but you realized you really needed to kind of pursue your own. And so you started your, you got your EA, you started your own accounting firm. That's right. Yeah. I realized that I was hitting my head up against the glass ceiling. Um, I came into uh, academia right as the uh, great recession was starting. So I started grad school, uh, graduated college and started grad school in 20, 2007. And so as I'm coming in, the, 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 um, you know, proverbial shit is starting to hit the fan. The, 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 the walls are crumbling down, um, mm-hmm. with the economy and, uh, higher ed was already, uh, a tough sell. And with, you know, a recession with budget cuts, with all of that going on, it was just becoming harder and harder. And it got to where uh, after a few years of grad school, I started applying for academic jobs, teaching jobs at universities. And the first couple of years I was applying, I was getting a handful of rejection letters back. I was getting ghosted by most jobs I was applying to, but I was getting a handful of rejection letters back saying, you know, out of the hundred or so applicants. And by the third or fourth year of applying, it was 200, 250 applicants. Um, you know, we, unfortunately you weren't the one we selected and I just saw the writing on the wall and um, I was lucky enough to get a uh, full-time position at Texas State University it was a non-tenure track uh, position so um, you know in it, it, to, to try to make that uh, analogous to uh, you know CPAs it would be like getting hired by a firm to a full-time position but uh, having partnership aspirations but knowing you were in a firm that was never going to make you partner right sure. and um, and so I knew the the writing was on the wall, and so I started looking for alternatives. Uh, fortunately, the university I was at had a pretty decent uh, accounting department. They were supportive of me coming over and taking classes. So even though I was still teaching classes, um, I was going and taking uh, accounting classes when I could fit them into my schedule. And I started networking with other CPAs. Uh, one in particular, I reached out to on Twitter. Uh, it was a complete total stranger. Um, but uh, he was incredibly responsive and supportive on Twitter. That turned into a phone call and ultimately mentorship. 
and uh, he was an uh, an enrolled agent uh, before uh, he became a CPA. I believe he let his EA license lapse once he became a CPA, but uh, he recommended uh, becoming an EA as uh, not necessarily an easier path, but as a fast track path into uh, the world of accounting and uh, tax preparation, especially tax representation. And so I uh, started getting going on that, studied for the exams in late 17, got the license in early 18, just as I was starting my own firm. Uh, and so that started as a side gig while I was still teaching. I taught one more semester uh, during that first tax season that I was working. I was just getting started, so I didn't have a lot of clients or a lot of work yet, so uh, mm-hmm. I could handle that. Um, but by mid-2018, uh, I left my teaching job and started focusing on accounting full-time. Very cool. But so why accounting, though? Like, what, why, yeah. why that? <laughs> of all things. A, yeah, well, right. I mean, you know, teaching political science to doing accounting. Uh, well, actually, when I first started undergrad uh, back in 2003, I was dead set on law school. Uh, I wanted to do business law. I actually wanted to do it more on the writing side. I, I was really interested in contracts and legalese and, you know, how we could build uh, protections into contracts. I was, I was a nerdy kid, you know, whenever, uh, you know, whatever my parents would, you know, sign up for something or we'd get a bill in the mail and you would get that 20 pages of just stuff that normally everybody else throws away. And it's full of all that legalese and jargon. I would, I would pour through that and I would, I would, uh, you know, find words that I didn't know what they mean. You know, I I didn't know what they mean. And so I would look them up and I would try to figure out. And of course, you know, this was, this was the, uh, this was the early 2000s. So the internet, you know, in the home was just becoming, uh, possible. And so I actually had, resources that I could look these terms up, um, you know, and, you know, not just dictionary definitions, but actually finding out what they meant in as far as legal terms went and all that kind of stuff. So I was super interested in that kind of stuff. Um, my first semester of, uh, or my first year of undergrad, I was a, uh, my, I went to a small liberal arts college and the closest thing they had to a pre-law program, uh, was, uh, majoring in political science. And because I wanted that business focus, I added business as a minor. Well, my second semester I took, uh, accounting one and intro to business law. I did not like the instructor in the business law course. And because it was a small college, I knew I would have to take her for more courses. So I ended up just dropping that and focusing purely on political science. And that's when I shifted toward uh, grad school uh, and away from law school. We'll come back uh, to, uh, you know, later when I'm working at this university in Texas in the mid 20 teens and starting to think about uh, alternative uh, careers. And I remembered back to some of those classes that I had taken, some of those uh, uh, you know non-major classes and electives that I had taken in undergrad. And of course, I remember that semester where I started off as a, as a business minor and didn't like the business law class, but actually didn't mind the accounting one uh, class that I took. And so that's when I went over to the accounting department at uh, the university I was teaching at, uh, Texas State University, and found out that you know the, the big Austin and San Antonio and Dallas firms they recruited from there. It was a big department, lots of lots of good faculty, a lot of um, you know retired or part time uh, partners in firms that were teaching there as adjuncts, that kind of thing. And so yeah, they they were amenable to me signing up for classes. So I started taking classes there, and yeah, just really realized that. 
uh, it was it was a much better alternative uh, for me. There's also a lot of overlap. Um, so I spent uh, a lot of my time teaching, focusing on developing uh, small courses that were more like seminars and, and intimate learning environments as opposed to, you know, big lectures. And so mm -hmm. I got to know my students a lot more. My students uh, got to know me more. They would come to me during office hours, uh, not just to find out, you know, why they didn't do as well in the last exam as they thought, but actually start asking asking deeper questions, you know, starting to think about, you know, is this the right major for me, uh, you know, starting to talk about career planning, life planning, I mean, you know, the, these kinds of bigger questions that would come up during these one on one conversations. And when I started working with clients as an accountant, they were very similar conversations, right? You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, a 19 year old coming and asking me, you know, what am I doing with my major? What am I doing with my career? What am I doing with my life? And now I'm dealing with 29 and 39 year olds who are asking me, what am I doing with my business? What am I doing with my career? Here, what am I doing with my life, right? And so there's a lot of carryover, um, a lot of overlap between those two careers, actually. Yeah, that's super cool. Now, what kind of stood out to me as you're describing that is how lucrative the accounting degree was at that point and how different the landscape feels today because we all still feel like it's really lucrative. We feel like there's plenty of opportunity in our industry but we're not getting the accountants that we need into the industry. We've got people retiring. So we're really suffering right now. What do you think is happening from the, you know, as a professor from that like entry point? Yeah. Uh, so uh, you've got to think like a, like a 19 year old, right. And it's all about <laughs> short term, uh, yeah. you know, and, and it's all about what they're seeing uh, and hearing from their classmates, right? I mean, you know, think about if, if you're a tax advisor to your clients, right? Where are their questions coming from? It's what they're hearing their colleagues and their coworkers and they're seeing off the internet, right? And that's where they're getting their information from. And then they bring that to us, right? So if you think about a 19 year old uh, college student who's trying to decide, uh, you know, they wanna go into business, they know they wanna make a lot of money, but they're trying to decide between accounting, finance and marketing. Right. Those are those are, you know, probably the three biggest majors coming out of the out of the business school, aside from just business admin. Right. Um, and so, you know, they've got a, they've got friends, they've got juniors and seniors uh, that they're sitting in classes with that are marketing and finance majors uh, talking about, you know, their internships and their job prospects where they're going to make, you know, X amount uh, a year for you know X number of hours a week right out of the gate. And then you're thinking about being an accounting major where you're going to have to not only finish your bachelor's, but then take additional courses on top of that to get your 150 hours and to get your extra business and accounting hours before you can even, uh, you know, consider uh, the CPA route. So you've got a, you've got extra education ahead of yourself that the finance and marketing majors won't have. Uh, then you've got uh, to uh, get the work experience in, right? So you're going to be competing for internships. You're going to meet the firms night where you're talking with all these firms that you don't know about, you've never heard of, and they're all basically promising you the same thing, right? <laughs> you know, um, and, and so what's appealing about that? And then, uh, you know, we haven't even talked about the exam yet. So you're going to have to pay a lot of money for the study guides and then go study for and take these exams. And it's not one exam, it's four different exams and you can fail each one of them separately and then have to retake it. And it's just this long, incredibly drawn out process 
to maybe at some point, you know, get hired on as uh, as an entry level uh, accountant at, you know, a, a regional firm or maybe if you're lucky, uh, you know, a top uh, a big four firm or a top firm, um, you know, a couple years from now after you've done all this. And, you know, what are you going to get paid and how many hours a week do you have to work for that? And it's and so if I'm 19 years old and I'm sitting here looking at these, you know, two or three different career paths that I'm hearing about, you know, which one am I going to pick? The one where maybe, you know, you know, two years from now, I'm making 200k a year, working you know 35, 40 hours uh, a week in what seems like a relatively chill situation. Or am I going to pick the one where two, three years from now, I'm still working entry level jobs, I'm still studying for the exams, I'm still trying to cobble together enough hours to be able to qualify for the CPA license? I don't know. I I think that's the biggest part. I yes, we have to have some integrity, and yes, we have to uh, make the the license difficult to achieve because it is an attainment, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, we our our entire curriculum is uh, centered around the CPA, and if we're really that starving for uh, for qualified. Uh, people to do work and come help us as firm owners with our work and come help our clients, uh, you know, as advisors, we need to seriously accept the fact that there are more routes and more ways to help this profession uh, than just becoming a CPA, right? Uh, and, and especially not having to do that right out of the gate, right? As someone who was told, I had never heard of an enrolled agent, you know, when my mentor told me about it at first. And it's not an easy path in. You still have to go take some exams. You've got to study for them, but it's, it's, it can be much faster, right? You can accomplish oh, yeah. that within I, a few months. I yeah. worked with a guy that was an opera major and then became an EA. And so it was like, wow, you fast tracked over Absolutely. into the profession. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ironically enough, you just got your CPA. So you've been through this entire. Yes. I, I, I know of what I speak, right? Like yeah. I, I speak yeah. with experience because, you know, not I, I didn't do this right out of the gate as a college student competing for internships where, you know, I, my entire life was focused on becoming a CPA. I did this as somebody who was moving into a second career, already had a wife and a kid uh, at home, was trying to build up a business at the same time, was trying to find enough income from contract positions and other jobs the whole time, right? So like, it, it's a burden. Um, it, it's a, it's it's a burden if you're doing this right out of the gate and it's especially a burden if you're changing careers into it and look we've got a lot of people that are you know changing careers to come into accounting and so if we're putting the cpa as the as the way into the profession um and we're ignoring that there are a lot of other ways into the profession um and supporting people with other ways coming in the profession and maybe creating it to where the cpa is a uh it is an eventual goal but it's not it's not your ticket into the profession right yeah. it's how it, it's a way of leveling up in the profession is the way i like to think of it um, because not everybody needs that license right out of the gate and like i say if we're really starving for for talent and and labor in the profession then we need to be uh, honest with ourselves that there are lots of good people out there in this field doing great fantastic work advising clients really well that are not cpas and and quite honestly, they are, um, you know, there's a handful of people that I've come to meet over the last four or five years that I would trust to do my own tax returns for me. And <laughs> and most of them are not CPAs, right? They're, they're EAs. What, um, what about me? Would you trust? Yeah, right, right, right. Well, I, 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 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're in contention for that list for sure. Um, I would hire you as the planner, right? Uh, maybe, okay. maybe, 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 maybe hire you to help me plan, and then hire someone else to to actually prepare it, so that we've got a little cross checking and validation going on there. But, Fair enough. Uh, yeah, but I'm nowhere near that that position yet. Hopefully someday, um, soon, I'll be hiring others to prepare my own tax returns. But for now, I'm still self prepare. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I just started outsourcing that. Uh, well, to my own team member, shout out to Veronica, who's my number two. She's amazing. Um, and I'm going to outsource my 1040 this year because I'm just like, I just can't do it anymore. That, it's, it's, it's That's a big step. I think I think that's that's like, you know, for I know for me that that's when that might be when I start to feel like I've made it when I when I don't even have to worry about my own tax return. <laughs> it always cracks me up when I see uh, tax professionals posting on social media how they're they're the last tax return that gets prepped. Uh, yeah. in their firm. And it always cracks me up because mine's always been one of the first, like I've got all the data. Oh, I've got everything. I just, just want to get it over with. Why would I, why, why would I put mine off till last when I can go ahead and get it done? Uh, go ahead and get it done first. Right. It's the whole eating the frog, uh, analogy, right. You know, just eat the frog and get it done with, and then move on to everything else. Yeah. I'm with you with everything else in life, except that, like, I I'm like, just do it, just get it done. But like, no, I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't do it. I will say that my bookkeeping is, is usually pretty out of date. Um, you know, I keep all of my other clients' books at least yeah. uh, at least within a month of, of up to date, and my bookkeeping usually between about between about March and October doesn't get looked at very much. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then early in the year, I'm on top of it. Late in the year, I get it caught up. But but it, yeah, the bookkeeping is hard to keep up with. But I'm definitely one of the first tax returns that gets done in my office. Okay, well, you've got bragging rights on that. So well, kudos to you. Uh <laughs> I also have a very small client roster relative to a lot of firms, right? Um, oh, really? Especially, Tell me about oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, so I've always focused, and, and this is a big part of uh, what my mentors taught me, is focused on the relationship as opposed to the work, right? And uh, so starting off, uh, and this is, this is actually um, – you know, is part of what I consider one of, one of my strengths. I don't know if, if a lot of other accountants would agree with me, but part of what I consider one of my strengths as an accountant is that I'm not an accountant, right? You know, I mean, this was, this was, a, a, it's a second career for me. It's not what I was trained to do. Um, you know, it, it's getting harder and harder to say that now that I've, you know, got a master's in accounting, got a CPA right. license, all this kind of stuff. But, uh, but I still, uh, for the most part, don't, I struggle considering calling myself an accountant. I struggle considering myself an accountant because for so well, long, um, I was a social scientist. I was a political scientist. I was a college instructor. Yeah, but your firm name is J. Wells CFO. So you're not <laughs> even really claiming accountant in general, right? Right. right. Yeah, absolutely. And so again, part of that, you know, part of the uh the the message the positioning the, the structure of the firm the way i uh engage with uh clients is focused on the relationship and and not the actual work being done i try to i try to structure it that way so from the beginning um I, it's always been uh essentially a monthly retainer uh with me a, a retainer subscription whichever one uh yeah. you want to call it and so this is the model that my mentor uh, taught me so for the first year uh all of 2018 when i was in business i adopted his model 100 percent. whatever he told me to do as far as you know nice. structuring uh my business i just went along with it because i had no idea what i was doing i'd never owned a business before i'd never been an accountant accountant before sure. i'd never run an accounting firm i needed you know i didn't want to reinvent the wheel i just wanted somebody to tell me what to do um 
and and so for the first year, I just went with that, and I had two I had two plans you could sign up for. One was if you were a W two employee. The other one was if you were self employed. And if you were an employee, you paid this much a month. If you were self employed, you paid that you paid that much per month. And I did that one hundred percent the first year, uh, and it was geared the the obviously the focus was on the self employment part. Um, but I did have a few employees sign up, uh, but they had some complex situations. They maybe they had one or two rentals. Maybe they had some stock options uh, that they wanted some you know help with, or you know they weren't comfortable doing the uh, tax return with the stock options being reported you know on their own. And so you know I helped them out. But the the focus was on the self-employed uh, individuals, especially those that were uh, in the uh, in need of, a, of an S-corporation. And so I very quickly started specializing in determining when an S-corporation is appropriate, how are we going to actually get the S-corporation set up, what do you need for that? Obviously, you need payroll, right? Um, but very quickly, uh, by the end of that first year, I realized that uh, helping, identifying clients that could benefit from an S-corporation was a very different thing from actually helping them run their S corporation. So for the first year, I was just referring them out to uh, a payroll provider, usually Gusto. Okay. I was I was telling them, look, you should probably be setting up bookkeeping. So go sign up for QuickBooks, right? I realized very quickly that was a mistake because when I came into that that first real tax season of my own clients in, tw in 2019, uh, the books were a mess. <laughs> the, the payroll had never, they may have signed up for Gusto. They never actually ran for payroll, ran any payroll because they didn't know what right. to do. Um, you know, and, and they didn't know to ask me. I, I only knew to tell them, hey, go sign up for Gusto and start running payroll. I didn't know what else to tell them beyond that. They didn't know what to do beyond that. And so the second year I started tweaking the model and I started saying, look, if this is going to work, then you need me to do this stuff for you. You need me to run the books for you. You need me to run the payroll for reasonable comp for you. And so I started building that in as well. So now there was a third uh, plan, right? There was the employee, the self-employed, and then the self-employed plus the accounting and payroll that I was going to do uh, for you. And by the end of the second year, I had gotten enough clients. I had gotten enough experience. I felt comfortable enough to where by the end of the second year, um, I took over my own billing. My mentor's firm was taking care of the billing. I was filing returns under his EFAN. I was signing them as the preparer, but filing them under his EFAN. By the end of the second year, 2019, I got my own EFAN. I set up my own billing system through what was then practice ignition. Now it's just ignition. Um, set up my own practice management uh, system in carbon and really just took over my own firm. So when I went into 2020, I had all of that set up for myself. And uh, 2020 was the first year that I would consider myself fully independent. So even though it was my own book of clients and you know I was signing returns and that kind of thing all 2018 and 19, 2020 is probably the first year that I would say I was you know a fully independent uh, accounting firm. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a big feat. <laughs> And of course, you know, that was great timing, right? Because uh, that's right when uh, the COVID pandemic started. So it was it was very interesting times. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there was a lot of innovation happening during COVID for the ones of us that were already kind of virtual or I say I was kind of meant for the COVID remote environment. And so, you know, I created a new tax planning software during COVID. You got your you CPA go. and you know, yeah. all, all this cool stuff that happened. Uh, all of my, all of my uh, client relationship, you know, I focus on relationships, but virtually all of my clients are, are virtual. They're all remote. I mean, I've got clients, you know, I was, I started off in Texas. I'm currently based in Florida, but I've got clients from New York city to LA and lots of places in between. Um, and so, yeah, that I, I, you know, I was watching throughout 2020 and 2021, 
a lot of firm owners struggling with, you know, what, what do we do with drop off, you know, document drop off? What do we do with client meetings? What do we do with all of these things that, you know, with the traditional in-person firm, uh, it, all of a sudden COVID just really uh, made a lot of that uh, difficult. It made, you know, made a lot of firm owners struggle. And I felt like I didn't really skip a beat <laughs> through all of For that. Sure. You know, it, if anything, it just put more emphasis on firms that were already operating that way. And I tried to use that as a way to help encourage, um, you know, brick and mortar firm owners as a way to transition. Like, look, you know, if your clients appreciate you and they appreciate the work you're doing, they're not going to care whether it's a zoom call or they're coming into your firm with your fancy conference room, which mm -hmm. is probably more overhead than you've been needing to pay for anyway. So just see this as a benefit uh, to your bottom line, not as a disruption uh, to your, to your business practices. Yeah, for sure. And then <clears throat> you are a fellow a podcaster. Tell me about the CPA advisory show. When did it kick off? What's the reasoning for it? Yeah. Uh, so my co-host, Chris Hervishan, uh, he's a CPA up in South Carolina, and uh, he and I had uh, sort of uh, bumped into each other talking about uh, social media. We, we'd bumped into each other on uh, social media, Twitter, uh, especially a few times. And then we're both uh, members of a group run by Jason Stats called Realize. And uh, so we'd interacted, um, you know, just sort of passively on the on the margins a few times here and there. But in uh, summer of uh, last year, I got a uh, uh, summer of this past year, I'm sorry, uh, 2022, I uh, got a got a message from him uh, just saying, hey, uh, you know, we're only a few hours apart, we should get together in the middle uh, somewhere and, and have lunch. Okay, you know, um, so we met up, uh, had lunch, had a great conversation, you know, sat there and uh, ate and talked for a couple hours, uh, went our separate ways. And then uh, that turned into uh, just text messaging back and forth with different questions, you know, things about firms, being an accountant, you know, running firms and helping clients and all this kind of stuff. And uh, it got to the point to where we were uh, sending these questions uh, and our thoughts back and forth so much that one day, uh, a couple of weeks after we'd had uh, lunch, Chris was just like, you know, what? we should just start a podcast and actually record ourselves talking about these things. Yeah. Um, and I said, sure, you know, it sounds fine. So about a month later, we actually, uh, you know, we signed up for all the software. We had all our equipment in place. And so we just started uh, recording ourselves talking. And we've been doing that uh, about once a week. Uh, ever since for the last uh, last several months and uh, let's see I think we're as of as of today we're I want to say 22 23 24 episodes in something like that and Very uh, cool. and yeah so so I think we're I think we're past that point where most podcasts uh, fail um, yeah they say but, like uh, only one percent get past 20 episodes this I, will probably be episode 12 or 13 but i'm gonna yeah. make it i'm gonna make it okay well let me tell you for for those who haven't been guests on your show yet uh your your onboarding process for guests is is immaculate and and it's impressive as i'll get out and i have uh i've saved all the emails and um <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna steal a whole bunch of it uh because our our onboarding process is uh, here's a calendar link. When you sign up, you get the, you get the calendar invitation and we'll see you then. Um, so we could probably do a little bit better as far as, uh, getting guests onboarded onto the show, but, um, no, it's, uh, I, I've been listening to a lot of your episodes. It's, um, and it's, it's great. I, I love, um, I, I try to, uh, include some non-accounting podcasts in my, uh, 
in my feed as well, mostly business, a couple of fun ones. In fact, I'm, I'm again, one of those nerds that, you know, I've got all my podcast subscriptions organized into folders neatly in the podcast <laughs> app. So if I'm in the mood for accounting podcasts, here's all the most recent accounting podcasts. If I'm in the mood for business, here's all the business. If I'm in the mood for, you know, just none of the above, you know, fun podcasts, I've got that list too. But, um, but no, I try to uh, keep up with what's going on and I, yeah over the last couple of years we've had a proliferation of accounting uh focused podcasts and you know a, as a solo operator uh you know i had my mentor but other than that i i had no accounting experience i didn't really have a lot of interaction uh with other accountants in any sort of you know professional or non-professional uh setting and then you know shortly after i started my firm COVID hit right and so there really wasn't a lot of opportunity for in-person networking either so podcasts were a big part of you know how I started thinking about uh, my firm and and really just uh, business in general. I mean, uh, Ron Baker's uh, Soul of Enterprise is how I found out about him and value pricing, right? Oh, um, cool, you yeah. Know, and and obviously, uh, you know, Cloud Accounting Podcast has been uh, a big one just for keeping up with the tech and thinking about additions to the tech stack and all these kinds of things. So yeah, the podcast, uh, you know, we, among accountants has. has definitely been uh, a, a huge contributing factor to how I've thought about my firm and, and my position within the accounting industry as a whole. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I kind of have to end on an interesting note, which is another area that you probably got a lot of your influence from, which is social. That's how mm -hmm. we met. Yeah. Uh, we've had a little turmoil over the years with social. Uh, you know, I recently am taking a Twitter break. Uh, someone, you know, was very mean to me and my firm. Uh -huh. Uh, you, I, you came on my radar in accounting from influencer group because you're very direct and yeah. uh, some people got a little offended by how direct you were. So I DM'd him and I'm like, Hey, Jeremy, you know, I don't know exactly what I said, but it was pretty much like, Hey, I think you're fine. You're great, but you gotta be a little sweeter to people online. And I think, are you still part of that group or did you leave? Um, I, I, I don't yeah, even remember now. Out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I may have, I may have. Um, uh, let's see. So uh, yes, and 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 it's not just your group. I get this in the NATP group all the time. I the the, the one of, one of the most one of the top uh, most recent DMs uh, in my in my Facebook Messenger is the NATP you know account <laughs> because uh, they're constantly getting on to me. They're 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 constantly deleting my comments. Um, oh, no. Look, I yeah I. I don't hold back because look, if, if we can't be honest with ourselves in these groups that are just us, right? It's just us as professionals. And I, I get it. You, you know, you've got to, um, you've got to prevent, uh, you know, seriously harmful, uh, you know, comments and posts and that kind of stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I get all that. I get that there needs to be some, uh, you know, moderation of what's going on there, but on the other hand, uh, I believe there is a big difference uh, between being kind and being nice. And I think most people don't get that difference, especially when they're on the receiving end of the comment. And, you know, look, I, I used to work with 19 year olds in person, right, as a college instructor. And I know what uh, can come off as mean versus what can come off as that's that's harsh and it's hard to take right now but i understand that there's a bigger picture 
here. And so I may not understand this, this suggestion, or I may not understand this bit of criticism today, but at some point it will make sense. And I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Right. But again, I, 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 I take that as a source of strength, not a source of weakness. I don't know what I'm doing. And so it's that much easier to empathize with clients. It's that much easier to empathize with people who aren't naturally you know, accountants, people who haven't been accountants for 15, 20 years. And so they just don't get why these things are important to us. They just don't get why we do things a certain way. And it, it, you know, if you think someone coming into an accounting group, a private group for accountants, telling you that this doesn't make sense is harsh, then your clients are going to tell you the same thing, or they're not even going to tell you, and then they're going to fire you. Right. So you can either hear it from me in your Facebook group or, you know, you can let your clients fire you. And I try to take that position. It, I mean it in it, the same thing happens on Twitter. I get the same response on Twitter. I get the same response everywhere. Um, <laughs> and I get it in person, too. Yeah, I might come off harsh and abrasive. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a middle aged white guy. I, it's just like I, I've got my way of thinking about things and I don't mind telling you. And that's just the way it is. You don't have to follow me. You don't you can mute me, you can block me, you can do whatever, right? So if you don't, if you don't want to hear it, you don't have to hear it. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I think I was, I was thinking last night that the hardest job I've ever had is tax plan IQ being, becoming a CEO of a software development company. Now thinking back, cause I blocked a lot of the social media stuff, thinking back, moderating the accounting firm influencer group, has been so stressful. I, and, I don't envy these these group yeah, moderators I mean, at I get all. accused of everything. I get yeah. accused of being too woke. And then I get mm -hmm. accused of the opposite because yep. I didn't represent someone too, well enough on there. Yeah. And so we all have a different opinion of how much you need to censor or moderate. And yes, I try absolutely. to stay a bit out of it because I think the discussions are important. Yeah. Not that I agree with what try, people are saying. Yeah. Well, right? you know, it, it, try being a college instructor, you know, with a room full of 50, 19 year olds in central Texas, right? Where most of them, uh, as far as their you know, teaching political science, right? And so most of them, their political views come from what they hear on uh, TV, what they read on social media, and what they hear from their parents. And it's 18 years of isolated input right of yeah. this is politics wow. this is the way the world works and then they come to college and this is their for a lot of them for for the vast majority of them this is their first real experience outside of their hometowns right and this is their first experience with people who are not you know the the same kids that they grew up with and went to high school with and all this kind of stuff and so now they're put into a classroom and they're expected to start discussing world politics you know national politics and and you know the the future of society and these kinds of things and there was a lot of moderation <laughs> that had to go on um with those discussions because I, I didn't lecture i didn't lecture for 50 minutes or 80 minutes i had discussion i led discussion even if there were 40 people in the room i still found ways to make discussion possible and so i don't envy moderators and and group admins and social media admins i think elon musk is crazy for buying twitter and thinking that he is going to come in and and save twitter by changing the nature of free speech within that platform i i think you've got to have a really super inflated which we know he has a really super inflated sense of himself um but i think you've just got to have an unhuman <laughs> inflated you know sense of yourself to think you can 
be the person who's going to fix free speech uh, in a modern social media platform. Um, so, you know, if, if he succeeds and can make Twitter profitable and increase the user base at the same time and get rid of the bots, then more power to him. But I'm not looking for any jobs as a, as a social media or group moderator anytime soon. I know that for sure. <laughs> oh, darn. I was about to ask you. That would make things real interesting, wouldn't it? Okay, Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. Well, on that note, we have to close up because I promised I wasn't going to do uh, interviews that lasted way too long and people lose ah. a ton of interest. So how can people contact you after this, Jeremy? Yeah, um, best way is either, uh, if you want to talk one-on-one, -on -one, is email uh, jwells at jwellcfo.com. Uh, or if you just want to engage in public, then Twitter at jwellcfo. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jackie. Have a good one. listening to the concierge CPA hosted by Tax Plan IQ. We believe that every person has a unique message that can positively impact the world. If you are a successful accounting firm owner or influencer who would like to be on this program, please visit JackieMeyerCPA.com, J-A-C-K-I-E-M-E-Y-E-R-CPA.com to apply. Please share this on social media and rate us so we can continue our good work. Join our Facebook group called Accounting Firm Influencers or connect with me on most platforms under Jackie Meyer CPA. Thanks for being accountable to transforming our industry today.